Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it's a blessing to be here with you this morning. I've been trying to get out there to preach, but with my my walkabout mic not cooperating with us today, I'm going to just perch myself right here because I definitely can't talk and hold a microphone, and y'all still hear it because it'd be out here half the time. We are starting a new sermon series uh, over the next four weeks exploring different aspects of Christian living. We've talked about the disciples' journey all summer in different forms and fashion and what that uh, looked like for the disciples and what that can look like for us. But there are certain aspects of the Christian life that are essentials. So we're exploring a few of those uh, over the next four weeks. Uh, this week we turn in Scripture to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 12 through 18, a letter uh, Paul written to a church in Thessalonia. And he said this to them, and this is toward the end of his letter, but we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. In elementary school, oh, I gotta stay right here. Hold up. All right. In elementary school, uh, we ended at fifth grade uh, at, in Dell City, uh, Dell City Elementary uh, back then. I don't know what they do now in Prince William County. Um, but the, our senior trip wasn't like the trips, I don't know, my daughters took as they ended, ended elementary school. One went to the National Harbor, the other went to the Lorraine Caverns. We went on a camping trip to Prince William National Park. I don't know who came up with that idea. And it was planned by teachers and parents alike. They were nuts back then. I don't know. But it was something we looked forward to. It was a, we, we were so excited about this trip. It was this um, transition from being these, you know, being children in elementary school to being, I don't know, whatever we thought we were going into middle school, but to be something else along the way. But one of the days we were there, I think we were there two nights. It all kind of runs together. I'm sure it felt like a month to some of the adults there. Um, one of the fifth grade teachers took us on a hike. Miss Smith, I can still see her bun. She had the tightest bun. It never moved all day. Um, she wasn't my teacher, but you saw her, and it was just right there. But she took us on this hike, and it, and it was a hike. The only thing missing was a 60-pound pack on our backs. And she made sure we felt that journey. And we explored, and she was teaching us stuff along the way. And we got to the top of this really well, it felt really long and tall hill. I don't know now, but it felt really long and tall. And she had a stop, and we were all like, Phew. And then she said, okay, now turn around and look behind you at where we just came from. And look all the way around, turn back around, and then look ahead and see what 
is to come. She was putting our journey into perspective at that point. She was helping us to feel good about what we had just overcome in that big hill and to see that it, you know, what's ahead is what's there and to have realistic expectations of what's ahead. She was giving us a waypoint. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't have a word for that at the time, but it's a waypoint. National Geographic defines waypoints as reference points that help us to know where we are and where we're going. Not just a direction, not just uh, we're going there from here, but all of the things involved from getting from here to going to there. When we think of waypoints, we can think of them literally as on a map or on a journey, but we also can think of them metaphorically in our lives as they illuminate our paths. It's true of us as individuals of faith, it's true of us collectively as the church. Earlier this year, the church leadership gathered for a retreat. We came up with four areas to look at and explore throughout the coming year and see what we can do to um, further God's kingdom through the ministries of St. Stephen's United Methodist Church. But we never had a really good collective name for them. It, our collective name came, became, you know, those four things we came up with at the leadership retreat back in February. That was the name we were calling. We're like, we need a name. We need to call them something. And eventually, we found inspiration in Isaiah 43, verse 19. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And from that waypoint became the collective name for those four areas that we're exploring. But we don't just have those four areas with a name that we find to be helpful and useful to understand what we're doing together in those areas. And this isn't about that, so I haven't talked to, I'm not going to talk anymore about that right now. We're also going to explore what those waypoints are in our own Christian journey. There are those aspects, those essentials of the faith that help us to know where we are, where we've been, and how to get to where we're going to explore our journey together, not just take a, a snapshot in a moment, not just to, to see what's around us immediately, but to take a really deep look at who we are as followers of Jesus Christ, where we're going, and how we plan to get there. The four, uh, the four waypoints we're exploring this, these next four weeks are prayer this week, Acts of mercy or service, you might call it serving, um, st a scripture study, and worship and sacraments. These come out of some things that this church studied a few years back, actually, in that one of the waypoints from that retreat back in February, see, you still have to almost use that phrase sometimes, is exploring that, calling the discipleship uh, pathway. But these are essentials of the faith. And help us to grow in faith. And they're not a pick and choose kind of a thing. We, we take these on collectively. Because all of these things together, and they, this, is not, uh, you know, this is not a limited list. This isn't all of the things. But these things taken together help us to grow in our faith. To move from simply being um, in the church or saying yes to Jesus to growing into our more as followers of our Savior. In our, in our Methodist uh, theology, we have this distinctive understanding of grace 
There's one grace, but three movements of God's grace. Everyone in existence and all of creation exists in the provenience of God's grace. We exist even when we don't know it, that God in God's love. He made us. He loves us. And he wants us to come to himself. And it's through that provenience of God's grace that we all exist in, that at some point we're able to identify that and know it and then come to claim his love, that free gift of love that saves us. And that moment of, of grace returns from being prevenient, that grace that comes before, to being that grace that justifies us, that makes us clean before God, not because of our doing, but because of what Christ has done already. And sometimes we get satisfied with that step. And we're like, okay, we said yes. I've reserved my seat. I've got my ticket. And I'm just waiting for the next phase of my existence in heaven someday. But Jesus calls us to so much more because the next phase of our growth in God's grace moves from prevenience alone to prevenience and justifying to prevenience justifying and the sanctifying action of God's grace. That grace that calls us to, to holiness, calls us into fullness of love of God and love of neighbor, the two commandments, that one commandment really that Jesus called us to. As a church collectively, our goal is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. As individual Christians, Jesus' expectation is for us to live into, to lean into loving God with everything that we are and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And if we are satisfied simply with being justified, with that activity of God's grace in our life, we can't embrace all the rest. We can't live into the fullness. We can't explore the great adventure of faith that God has laid out before us. We're ticket holders. It doesn't take away our ticket when we don't explore it, but we miss out on so much of God's glory in this world. So these waypoints, as we take them and take them together, help us to live into that sanctifying grace that activity of sanctification that comes from God's grace in our lives that calls us to more and to holiness and to a deeper faith, a broader faith, more than just what we see on the surface. So today we're going to explore prayer as a spiritual waypoint, as, as an essential of the faith that helps us to understand who we are, where we are, understanding where we've been, looking forward to where we're going, helping us to grow in faith as we grow closer to our God and to one another. So I want to look at three aspects of prayer. There's a, you know, we could spend months of Sundays on prayer. So I'm only going to deal with a few aspects of prayer today. So I'm not, I'm not exhausting the material on prayer. He said, he didn't say this, so we must not have to do, it must not be that. Don't take that, don't assume that. We're just going to look at some of the aspects of prayer that help us to grow as followers of Jesus Christ, to mature as disciples on our faith journey, to live into that sanctification of God's grace. So some of the aspects of, of prayer that help us uh, as a waypoint are that prayer is a spiritual compass. Prayer is a spiritual, is spiritual sustenance. Prayer as a spiritual yet direct 
communication to the creator of all that is seen and unseen. Those are three of the aspects of prayer. Prayer has a direct, although spiritual connection to God, we cannot take that for granted. I start, that's all, it feels like something I should build up to. And when I was working on my sermon, I was like, I don't know, maybe I should end with this. This is like the big, this is like the boom, right? But I can't, I can't end with it without even starting with it. This is, this is the, this is the best part of it in my view. God desires to be in connection with us. The creator of everything seen and unseen. The building blocks for the stuff here. Other people's hands built the stuff that we're sitting in or standing on or around the clothes. That we, other people put those things together, but God created the matter from the very beginning. And he gave us the gifts and the ability and the resources to do that. All of, the one who did all of that and complexities that we're still figuring out wants to be in conversation with us. I could stop there, but I'm not. Prayer as a waypoint is direct communication with the one who's created us, who's calling us to himself and calling us to more, to live into our more. Prayer is also, as such, prayer is also a spiritual compass. It helps us to discern our journey of faith, how we live our lives, right and wrong, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That comes in so many different ways, but we can't forget that it also comes through prayer. Through prayer, we seek God's wisdom in navigating life's complexities. It's a way to align our will with God's. It's not about trying to convince God to do something that God didn't already want to do. It's about us aligning our will with God's, not trying to get his will to, to bend to ours. James 1, verse 5 says, If you lack wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And prayer is spiritual sustenance. Food nourishes our bodies. There are other things that nourish our souls. Prayer is one of those. The psalmist in, in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after you, my God. Prayer is one of the ways in which we access God's loving presence. And one of the keys to this holy conversation that God invites us into as communication, as sustenance, as a compass is that we have to be quiet in our prayer time. We have to give God room. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you just are trying to break in the conversation, but they don't put periods on the end of any of their sentence, they talk with commas, you know? And you just don't, I think God feels that way sometimes with our prayer lives. And I'm not, I'm guilty of it too. To give God room, to give God opportunity. As Minu prayed earlier, to declutter our minds, our souls, 
so that God can speak into us, so that we can hear over the clutter. That's essential to prayer as a waypoint. There's a concept that comes out of Celtic spirituality called thin places. These thin places are a location or a moment when the veil between the earthly and the divine seem to almost fade away or cross over or particularly thin. What places or moments allowing for a deeper sense of God's presence. And I say places only partially because there's reference in Scripture, but in most of our lives it happens in moments and not tied to places. But we see a moment or a place, a place and a moment actually, in Scripture in Exodus 3 when Moses encounters one of those thin places. In Exodus 3 verse 5, do not come any closer, God says, as Moses approaches the burning bush. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. That's a thin place. We're we're hearing of a thin place in that moment. Prayer itself can create those thin places. I believe that God leans in. God's always listening. God's always leaning in, but I feel like he leans in a little bit more closely every time. We bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. And thin places don't have to be to in specific places or at specific times. Sometimes people will say, when, when do I need to pray? When, what time? Do I have to pray early? It's usually, usually what they're asking me is, do I have to get up and pray first thing in the morning? That's really what they want to know, but they kind of beat around the bush because they don't want to sound like it's a lazy thing or something. It's not tied to a time of day. But what did Paul just say about prayer a little bit ago as we read Thessalonians to pray without ceasing? Different aspects of our lives can become prayers. Different aspects of our lives become that intentional connection to God. Now, I could say something about when we pray and all that, and structuring our day around prayer, but I won't. There's more to say about that. You could start your day with prayer. It's not a bad thing either. All right, I'll just say that too. But this sermon is not about that. So these thin places and our prayer lives, our prayer lives cultivate thin places. You may sit down and pray, and you say, there's nothing here. I got nothing. I hear nothing from God. I'm out. I don't know what's happening here. Prayer, those things need to be cultivated, to be developed, to be worked on. It's a habit. It's a holy habit, but it's also until until it becomes a way of life. To create opportunities for God to speak through the clutter of our lives. Anyone knows decluttering doesn't happen in a moment. It's an ongoing process. Stuff accumulates. And I'm not in, in, our, in our homes and in our heads. That's true. It's an ongoing process. But eventually, as we do so, we reach this place, as, as Psalm 46.10 says, to be still and know that God is there. Be still and know that I'm God, is what Psalm, the psalmist says. But to be still. You can be sitting still, but you know your brain is just going like crazy. So sitting still, but also your mind being still. 
Sometimes you can be at work with doing things with your body, but your mind is still enough that you're open to whatever it is that God has to say to you. You might be saying, okay, so how do I cultivate this life of prayer? What, are the, what, are the, what do I do? What do I do with this? There are three things that we can do to cultivate a life of prayer, to cultivate these thin places, to develop prayer as a way of life that it does indeed become a waypoint in our faith journeys together. Consistency, diversity of practice, and accountability. Consistency. Practice makes better, not perfect. Practice makes better. Consistency is that, is just to keep doing it. Keep doing it. Set aside a time each day. And if you miss that time, it's not the end of the world. Shift to another time. To be still with God for just a little bit. If you can start with only a few minutes, start with a few minutes. And as you're praying, you're like, but all these other things come rushing in. Okay, set them before God. Let God handle them. Give them to God in that moment. But they keep coming back. Okay, keep giving them over to God. There's a lot to declutter there. It's all right. But keep going back until it becomes that habit. And from a habit, it becomes a way of life. Maybe you're a little bit like me in the way that what, it's just the same thing all the time. I need, I need to switch it up. Then do it. Do different things in your prayer life. Make different aspects of your day, different types of prayer. The five-finger prayer. I kind of had this thing over the years. I've used the, that five-finger prayer with kids, the praying for those who are close to you, in case you, you tune out when I do the kids thing. Pray for those who are close to you, for those who instruct you, the pointer finger, those who are lead you because it's taller. This is the weak finger, so those who are weakest. And then finally for yourself. That's, that tends to be my kid's prayer. The Acts prayer has been the one I've used with youth. A-C-T-S, adoration. Oh, I always miss the C. Confession, uh, thanksgiving, and supplication. Build our prayers around... Thank you, God. You are great and wonderful and whatever uh, adoration you want to heap upon God. Confession, share, put in front of God. God knows our stuff. So it's not like we're hiding anything. But there's something valuable when we confess it to God, when we lay it before God ourselves. Then thanksgiving, giving thanks for God's blessings in whatever forms they might come. And then supplications, that's a way of saying, then you can ask things of God. Prayers for your needs as well as for the needs of others. So that tends to, that's been my progression of teaching prayer um, outside of teaching the Lord's Prayer, of course. But then there are other things we can do. There are, there are a bunch of different types of specific prayers built around a very small phrase. Just a very small phrase. One of them is called a breath prayer. You breathe, you breathe out one part of the prayer, and then you breathe in the second part of the prayer. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Like you're breathing out, and you can't do it when you're talking because your way breath works. It's in your head. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And that's, all, that's your prayer. 
That's your prayer. And, and you're just doing it. And you might even at some point find yourself doing it and you didn't even know how you got there. Like, like all of a sudden you got a song in your head. You didn't know where it came from or you heard it three hours earlier, but it's back. As you practice prayers like this morning, like this breathing prayer, it, that can become that. And that's not a bad thing. It doesn't make it meaningless. It just puts it right here at the front of our mouth, even if we're not saying out loud. And whatever's right here often is right here, the front of our brains, to think of them. Another prayer, the Taizé community in, um, in France, um, Jesus, remember me. And they would, they would sing it or chant it multiple times. Then um, that would be an out loud one, but still a small prayer, and there are others. Some of you, I've heard from at least one person who says at the end of their day, they spend time in prayer remembering all the things that, they, that God has blessed them with throughout the day, counting their blessings throughout the day. That actually has a name, the examen. St. Ignatius, uh, Ignatius of Loyola um, was the first one at least to write about this prayer. You know, it's kind of one of those things like, how do they trademark that word? You know, like Taco Tuesday, somebody had a trademark on that. How do you try, you know? But anyway, he gets credit for this prayer. But that's, it's an end of the day review of your day. But not just internally, it, I mean, not just internally by yourself, but internally or externally, or you can journal it. But it's with God always giving thanks. Those of you who pray or you need an excuse, to, I mean, those of you who walk, take walks around your neighborhood or you need an excuse to take a walk around your neighborhood, turn walking into a prayer. Praying for your, your, for your neighbors, for your neighborhood, for um, rather than complaining about somebody's yard, praying for those folks. Something's happening there, maybe. Maybe they don't care about their yard. I don't know, but maybe there's something happening there. Pray for them, you know? So those are different things that we can do to, to switch up our prayer lives so it's not just the same old thing all the time. But for some of us, some, some folks, that's fine. If, that, if you're just always just, you're there, you're there. But then if you're like, okay, I get it. Same time, same place. Switch it up, but I just can't make myself do it. The last one, accountability. Find yourself a prayer partner. Preferably somebody not in your own household, by the way. Somebody that would say, how, how was your prayer time? No, no, you don't have to say, did you pray today? That's a hard, that's hard. But how was your prayer time today? You know, or last night, if you haven't had your prayer time yet that day. And they, know, they would know that if they're somebody who you're in connection with, helping you through all of that. And even if you're really good at prayer, this is not a bad thing, because maybe then you become the mentor to the other person. But consistency, different types of prayer and accountability help us to transform prayer as an occasional thing or just a Sunday during church thing to a habit that becomes a way of life. And then that way of life speaks into who we are as followers of Jesus. It helps us to, to uh, as a waypoint to know where we are and where we're going as we take in all that's around us and all that's been. It's one of those aspects, one of those essential aspects of our faith to help us to continue to grow in the likeness of Christ. What did Jesus do every time things got tough? He went off to pray. What did he do when he was tired? He went off to pray. Jesus went off to pray all the time. Now, he didn't always get there because the crowds would chase him down. But he always went off to pray. That was his reflex. 
And we're called to walk in his way. May prayer continue to guide our steps as followers of Jesus. May it continue to call us to more and more as his followers. And as we continue to explore these essential waypoints of our faith, of acts of mercy, studying scripture and worship and sacrament, may they continue to build us up as his followers. And as I end today, I want to end with this one more passage of scripture from Paul as he wrote to the church in Philippi. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I should point out he's in jail writing this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this divine gift of holy conversation with you. We give you thanks. For the blessing of your presence, which never leaves us, but seems closer every time we bow our heads and hearts in prayer. Lord, help us to listen more than we speak. Help us to hear and obey. Help us to trust you with all that we are and to continually, faithfully follow your son throughout life's journey of faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.